Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Story My encounter story dates back to when I was interning in 2009 to 2010 for the New Jersey Park Forestry Service. I had just graduated from college and was assigned to work in national parks close to home for a short period. My job involved conducting trail maintenance and similar tasks in various state parks throughout South Jersey. One Saturday night, after finishing my work and heading back to the office, my supervisor called me on the radio. As I sat there waiting for his response, I heard rustling to my right. Initially, I thought it might be someone else or another animal, but the noise grew louder and seemed to be coming in my direction, capturing my attention. I began to speculate, 
considering the darkness, perhaps it was a deer. Standing still, I observed as a large shadow figure emerged from the tree line. What I saw terrified me. To the best of my recollection, it appeared to be a large humanoid, covered in hair resembling a gorilla. It stood upright, but to my shock, it had wings on its back and a lizard-like tail. Standing approximately seven feet tall, it was covered in thick hair from head to toe. After about 10 seconds of watching it, frozen in place, I lost my composure. I started screaming at the top of my lungs, running back down the trail for the entire two miles. Upon reaching headquarters, my supervisor asked what had happened. I recounted everything, but he advised me not to tell anybody, fearing they would think I was crazy or might remove me from the job. For almost four years, I kept my experience to myself. However, I now feel that enough time has passed to share my story. When I finally spoke up, my boss could sense the fear in my voice. Several other rangers stepped forward, confirming they had also heard screams long before my sighting. They believed that the creature I saw was the source of the mysterious noises. Although I never heard the screams, the other rangers were spooked as well, even though they were reluctant to speak openly about it. My best friend and I once illegally climbed a mountain in northwestern Oregon with our dogs. We started off parked in a no trespassing zone on an abandoned logging road, and we hiked along a long overgrown trail that we were absolutely not supposed to be on. I'm gonna go ahead and blame it on us being young and dumb, but yeah I know it was a bad plan. Nobody knew where we were, and it would have taken quite the rescue mission to even locate our car. We made it to the summit, we spent some time messing around and eating lunch up there, and we decided to head back down. But we needed more water, we drank more than we thought we would, again, young and dumb. We heard the sound of running water about an hour into our trek down, or we had to hack through a bunch of devil's club or stinging nettles to even get close enough to filter it, we or our dogs were getting scraped to shit. Or we chopped our way into a random clearing, with a pile of animal skulls or bones just sitting right in the middle of it. The clearing was probably 12 feet around, or the pile was at least 4 feet tall. There was a main stalk of devil's club, maybe 5 to 6 feet tall, or 3 or 4 inches around, stuck firmly into the earth in the center, or then the bones were stacked around it almost vertically, caught on the thorns, with a raccoon skull sitting precariously on the top. I'm surprised I wasn't dumb enough to grab one of those bones or end up with a cursed souvenir, but we were spooked. There were also ripped up shreds of fabric stuck or tied onto the trees surrounding the clearing, like the kind that comes from a windbreaker nylon maybe? I don't find bones themselves inherently creepy by any means, but an intentional outdoor collection that seemed to be maintained or deliberately placed? No, thanks. No idea to this day what that was or who put it there, but we talked about it all the way back. I can't stress enough how abandoned this trail was we had to cut trees off the road just to get to the head of it, or we didn't see another car or human that entire day but it didn't look like something that could have been there for years, a single winter storm would have knocked it down. The way they were stacked so precisely or vertically still gives me chills just thinking about it.
I am currently spending several weeks in Jasper National Park as part of my field school. For those of you who don't know where that is, it is a small town located in the middle of the Canadian Rockies, right on the border of British Columbia and Alberta. It is known for its remote peaks and inaccessible regions. My group was staying at a set of cabins just outside of the small village. I am currently writing from the top bunk of one of those cabins. For the first part of the week, my classmates and I have had the pleasure of having several different park staff visit us and tell us about their jobs. We've met with rangers, firefighters, medical personnel. Name a cool job, and we've probably met someone who does something similar. My classmates and I have also met some of the indigenous populations whose ancestors used to inhabit the park well over a hundred years ago. While these people's presentations about their jobs and what they do for the park was immensely fascinating, it doesn't compare to the stories they told us off the books, around the campfire. As is tradition in parks, each presentation was finished with some campfire tales and a few bottles of whiskey. Some of the things that these people have disclosed blows me away, and sends a chill down my spine thinking about it even now. There is so much unknown in the wilderness, and these people have some tales to tell about exactly that. Some of these tales were told with the explicit warning to keep it on the down low, so many names will be changed. I feel a little guilty disclosing some of this to you guys, but I felt it needs to be mentioned, at least a warning. The following paragraphs are paraphrasings of a story told by Mike, one of the head forest rangers for JNP after some prompting, and maybe a little gin, he opened up to us. As you kids know, I've been a ranger for just over 20 years. I'm the most senior boy, and my god have I seen some things, some good, some bad, and some I can't quite put my finger on. I've found lost kids alive and well, seen tourists get mauled by bears, but none of that comes close to the spooky shit up on Snake Indian Pass. I didn't tell you kids in my talk about the past because it was the scene of a grizzly massacre just about 75 years ago. Two different tribe of Indian fought up there and one tribe got bloody massacred. Elderly and women too. People say since then they've seen some real messed up shit. My old pal before he retired said he saw some 10-foot beast walking on its back legs. Says the indigenous folk called it a spirit beast or a skinwalker of some sort. I can't say I saw something that's scary, but I definitely had some weird stuff happen to me up there. If you folk want to hear about it, I guess I could tell you. All of around the campfire nodded in agreement. Well, in the winter of 96 my partner and I got a call from some locals that resided right at the bottom of the pass, they said there was some sort of fire going on up there or something. Fine in the park and all. We take calls like that pretty seriously and we loaded up the snowcats and went to talk to those folk. When we got there, they were right spooked. Said they'd been having something banging and yelling at their doors at night but when they checked for tracks there were none. Figured after they seen a fire up in the past they better get the rangers involved. It kinda confused us a bit because the two sounded irrelevant to one another but the folk swore blue and black that they was connected. Sure enough. Right at the top of what we could see of the pass there was some lights or something that looked just like fire. Fine early in the afternoon, the partner and I figured it smart we rip up there right away to check and see if there was anything to be done. After checking the map, 
We didn't think we would have any problem making the 10km snowcat ride before dark. Mike stopped and took a nice long draw straight from the bottle. Boy we were wrong, partner and I spent a cold as hell night up on that pass. Nearly froze my toes off. When we got back both of us swore never to go up there unless the boss really wanted us to, and even then I wasn't sure I would. There's some messed up stuff up the Snake Indian Pass. With another swig, he continued. We had been sledding for about an hour when the snow started coming down real heavy, nothing in our weather report said anything about snow that day, but the high passes are known for erratic weather. We were both new hires and hot hods, so we trucked onto the top. Just about an hour later we made it to what we was the location for the fire but there was nothing there. We noticed a bunch of footprints leading off further up into pass, and figured it was our duty to see who was messing around up on the pass. We were a little worried it might have been a lost hiker shooting off a flare trying to get some help. Anyways, by this point the snow was coming down and it was getting dark so we really put the pedal to the metal. Right as we crested the pass was when everything started to get buggered up. It's dark as all hell and all we can see is whatever the little snowcat light shows us. Snow's coming down so hard it looks to we were traveling at light speed like in those Star Wars films. Out of nowhere what looked like a human came barreling out the trees and tackled me right off my cat. I hit the ground and and the cat shut off. All I could see was what was being illuminated by my partner's night as he kept on. I was right spooked at this point and hollered for my partner and ran after him. Right at the edge of the light I kept seeing something sprinting across just on the edge of my view. My partner obviously saw M2 because he took the rifle off of his back and sat back down on his cat. When I made it up to him, he was shaking so bad I could hurt his scope clacking off his goggles. Every couple seconds on of those would come a little more into view. The only way I could describe M was banshees of some sort. You could barely even tell their feet were touching the ground they were running so fast. On top of that they didn't make a noise, no snow crunching, no pontine, nothing. That was the worst part, I tell ya. I'm not a god-fearing man but I was praying to whoever would listen we made it off that mountain. I managed to knock some sense into my buddy, and we hopped on his cat and buddy rode it all the way down. The entire way down you could see those just on the edge of light. I don't know why one of those things tackled me off my cat, and I don't want to know. All I know is we went back up and all we could find was my cat buried in the snow. No footprints or anything. In our case report we ruled it the goddamn northern lights, and we both vowed to avoid the place like that plague. Those homeowners knew exactly what we saw up there and they didn't say a goddamn word to anyone. By this point Mike was looking pretty tense, so we asked him about some of his best memories of the park and we left that story as is. I'm writing this from my bunk in disbelief about what Mike told me. Our class has some other guests coming tomorrow, and I'm wondering if they will be as candid after a bottle about the weird stuff going on in Jasper. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. The following story is from my grandfather. Many years ago when my grandfather was young he was climbing a mountain trail in Mexico. He went off path and discovered a cave that was almost entirely obscured by brush. He entered the cave and found several mummified bodies human on meat hooks. 
The meat hooks were stuck in the cave walls. My grandfather left and never returned to that area. I work at a state park, where we often come across intriguing phenomena. Recently, something unusual caught our attention at Buffalo River State Park, a rather remote location near the Ozark Mountains. Although we frequently host campers, only a handful stay year-round. While encounters with deer, wild turkeys, and the occasional bear or mountain lion are common, reports from visitors about sightings are usually dismissed as exaggerations. However, our perception shifted during an incident when a visitor captured something extraordinary on their trail camera. The video depicted a humanoid figure walking through the woods at night, illuminated as if someone had turned on a light. What disturbed us most was the creature's size, appearing larger than a human. Skepticism arose due to the trail camera's distance from a creek, leaving uncertainty about whether the figure emerged from it. The visitor also reported an odd noise, an elongated hissing sound reminiscent of a goose. Months later, Ranger Kim, with over two decades of experience, reported a similar experience during her patrol. She heard a collective hissing, as if a group of people were releasing steam on a grand scale. The unsettling sound emanated from the vicinity of the creek, accompanied by large footprints in the mud, larger than any human's. These occurrences led us to suspect a connection between the strange happenings and the creek. While theories about an oversized alligator circulated, the discovery of bipedal tracks challenged this idea. Humans and monkeys are bipedal, unlike quadrupedal alligators. This revelation unsettled us. Though we haven't identified the source of these peculiar noises, we remain vigilant for future reports. Until then, we wish everyone the best of luck. This is a rather short encounter because I was riding in a car and basically saw it and rode past it. I have been past the site hundreds of times since then, but have never gotten out and walked around the area. Maybe I should. This encounter changed my life. When I read the encounters by others, I never discount them. Why? Because I know what I saw and who am I to question someone else's experience? Sure. There are a lot of made-up stories and creepy pasta out here. But I strive to find credible-sounding accounts. It was an evening in July 1992 and my family and I were coming back from Chesapeake Beach, Maryland after dinner with my brother, mom and dad. I was 16 years old and in the back right passenger seat chilling with my brother. Riding along, I'm just looking out the window and there is a little road that merges onto the main road on the left, so as we merge we pick up a little speed. We are going maybe 25 to 30 miles per hour and you have to cross this little bridge and it's really bumpy, so we slowed even more to maybe 20 miles per hour. Once we did that I look up ahead and about 75 yards ahead I see something standing on the wood edge off to the right a little, but it was exactly at the edge of the woods. It had both arms on a tree just standing there, meaning, its right arm was on a tree about shoulder height and its left arm was on a tree at about shoulder height. So its arms were basically spread out with its hands on the trees. It was about 7 feet tall, maybe even taller, had a wolf-like face, only larger like a dire wolf from Game of Thrones. It had really broad shoulders, 
very muscular arms, a barrel chest and it narrowed the rest of the way down the abdominal area. It was dark brown and the hair was medium length. I didn't get a great look at the legs because it locked eyes with me. It knew I saw it and it saw me. I saw it a good distance up ahead and was like what the hell is that standing on the wood edge? Soon as I said that to myself I locked eyes with it. I saw it for a good 10 to 15 seconds because of how far up ahead I first noticed it moving around and how slow we were traveling. Its eyes followed mine the entire time. It took my breath when I first realized what I was looking at and my first thought was, God, that thing is ugly. It had very pointy features and it didn't look like a Bigfoot, but an actual werewolf. A lot of people call it a dog man, but I'm more inclined to say this was an actual wolf man. I said out loud to my family, did you guys see that thing? Obviously they were like, see what? Another thing, this was in Southern Maryland where there are no bears or other large animals. But I asked my family over and over if they saw it and they started getting annoyed with me. I told people over the years, but I was only ridiculed and teased about it, so I just stopped. So that was my encounter. This occurred in Calvert County, Maryland. My family still doesn't believe me either and most other people think I'm crazy or lying, so I very rarely tell anyone about it. But it was real, it was there. I just want to know the W's of the creature. Where, what, why, etc. When I was a teenager, I went to Bamfield, British Columbia with my best friend to meet her boyfriend. The previous summer, her dad had restored an old house out there, so she got close with a lot of the local kids and learned a ton about coastal life. I, on the other hand, grew up pretty landlocked and was always terrified of sharks and other things that go bump in the sea. She knew this. She invites me out with her when she decided to spend the next summer there as well, and she thinks it's a good idea to suggest we camp on the beach for the night with the other kids. All good. Sounds like a blast. I pack a bag and we leave the house to make our way to the beach. Instead, we arrive at the dock, and she tells me to get into this little dinky rowboat because the beach is across the inlet and we have to row there. Keep in mind, the sky is pitch black at this point. So I reluctantly agree to get in the boat, and we start our journey across the pitch black ocean. I'm having a nervous breakdown the entire time but we make it to the beach and join the fire with the other kids. We then pitch a tent and have a great time. Everything was fine. The next morning, we wake up and pack our things. We decided to take a walk down the beach to see another spot before we row back, and just as we round the corner of this rock beside where we pitched the tents, I see this massive fish that I can't identify, at least 10 feet long with a jaws-sized bite taken out of the side of it. It had washed up at some point in the middle of the night, because the other kids swore it wasn't there before sunset when they arrived. It took her a solid hour to coax me back into the boat to get back to the house. I was terrified. This one was actually kind of creepy because, on the Saturday before Christmas, I had grand baby duty because everyone else was off shopping and doing things. So I took my granddaughter to the mall in Cedar Park, Texas. They have a bunch of these bounce houses, 
these inflatable things and they basically put them in shopping malls. Well, I had taken her to one of those and checked in and was just kind of sitting on the bench watching her. I noticed this kid, looked like about a six-year-old kid, dressed in black jeans and a hoodie, like a gray kind of hoodie but not necessarily a clean one. And I'm thinking, this kid looks out of place compared to all these other kids. All the other kids are like running around not really noticing him and so I'm kind of watching him and he just happens to glance back at me and I'm like holy crap, that kid doesn't have any eyes. It was just black right where his eyes were. So I stand up and I walk towards him and I think he must have noticed me and he just kind of walked towards or past the inflatables and there's a row of six inflatables and when I say inflatables, it's the big blow up slides or bounce houses. So I follow him and I'm walking behind him in the last little, I don't know, space that they have are these stairs that you walk up and there's it's a pit of foam blocks that you can jump into or do somersaults and some. And there's a front of a staircase and it has a little turn to it and I go up. I'm watching him, and he turns around and he looks at me and, sure enough, a six-year-old kid, black jeans, a white-gray hoodie, black eyes or he didn't have any eyes. He waved at me and he turned to walk up the stairs and I kind of fast walked to see if I could get him and he's not on the stairs, he's not anywhere. He just disappeared. And like I said, I followed him from the front because that's where all the benches are for the old people and I noticed him and I followed him all the way to the back. I mean I was 15 or 20 feet behind him the entire time. He got to the back, made the little loop, turned around, and looked at me, basically, he acknowledged me, gave me a wave, and vanished. Nobody at all. It was crazy. It was kind of weird though because the entire time it was like he was there but not quite in focus. Does that make sense? It was like he was standing there but if another kid was standing beside him, he would be a little bit blurry compared to the other kid with well-defined angles and things like this. He was just kind of there. And the weirdest thing about it was that kids would just like walk around him but not like acknowledge that he was even there. They were just running around going back and forth, just running around doing craziness with the parents and everybody else and it was almost like I was the only one who even noticed him and he was not necessarily happy that I noticed him because it was like he was scouting stuff out. I didn't say anything to anybody. I just grabbed my granddaughter and I said, it's ice cream time, let's go. It was a summer day in 1982. I was a kid and on a weekend fishing trip. My father and his best friend spent every spare minute out there hunting and fishing and very often I was taken along as my parents were divorced. So on my dad's weekend, I was taken hunting and fishing. This summer day my dad and his buddies were fishing for brook trout on a little stream in northeast Washington state called Leclerc Creek. This is an extremely heavy wood and brushy drainage off the Selkirk Mountains where some of the only grizzlies in Washington state reside. So, to say wild rough country would be an underestimate. This mountain range leads into Canada and a person could walk 50 to 100 miles or more without crossing any pavement. Anyway, the experience. I was with my dad's buddy Streamside about 250 to 300 yards downstream from my dad. I wanted to find dad so I left his buddy and started walking on a streamside game trail upstream. 
I was midway between my dad and his buddy and following the creek via the game trail. As I came around a slight bend, note, I was young so I was very quiet on my feet making as little sound as I walked up the trail, I glanced up and saw what I thought to be a burnt stump just on the backside of a slight 3-4 to four foot rise on the nearest stream bank. As I started to look back down to my feet on the trail the stump started to rise up. In utter terror and confusion, I watched as this thing stood straight up on two legs, at first facing away towering over me from about 20 feet away. As the jet black stump stood it turned simultaneously just as a person would stand from a crouching position and turn to look over his shoulder. It had hair covered human-like arms bent at the elbows, and shoulders roughly three and one half to four feet across. It glanced sideways over its shoulder at me. In terror, I screamed at the top of my lungs and this must have confused or startled this creature. I fell to the ground and covered my head and neck as I've been told to if you're ever being attacked by a bear. I have no idea why I responded that way other than I was confused about what I was seeing. In fright, it must have leapt from the stream in one bound. I assumed this as I heard no splash and the creature was immediately barreling like a freight train right up the opposite hillside. The sound of breaking branches from that direction stopped at about 75 yards away in the impenetrable bush. Then I heard my dad rushing through the brush toward my direction from upstream. When he got to me he was obviously scared as the scream I let out must have left him to believe I was being attacked by a bear or a cougar. He was pissed too as he fell in the creek and was wet up to his head as he ran to my rescue. When he arrived I started to tell him what I had seen and simultaneously the brush began crashing again on the opposite hillside where whatever the animal was made noise for 250 yards up the hill. It was loud. In my experience, I've never heard many animals make that much noise including frightened deer, elk, moose, and bears. I know what I saw I have a college education in fish and wildlife management and I've spent many years also working in the woods. A human-like hair-covered giant man with black hair covering his back and shoulders, legs, neck, and head. The neck going to its head looked like that of a weightlifter or linebacker and the arms were ripped with muscle. The legs were as wide as a huge human who spent every day of their life hiking in the mountains. I can only estimate its height of 7 to 8 feet, around 500 pounds, built like a brick sh thous. When I walked up on it I speculate that it was squatting down cupping its hands to scoop a drink of water streamside when this little human walked around the corner catching it off guard. I think it was as startled as I was in my young age. Before the internet, I had no prior knowledge of anything such as a Sasquatch. I can only describe it as a hairy man, a gorilla thing, and not a freaking bear until I was much older when I saw some artist rendering in a book. Some years later and only then did I know for a fact what I'd seen when I described this to my dad just after the occurrence. He said you saw a bear and stuck to the narrative until his death in 1987. My mother, on the other hand, knew I had seen something else as I talked about it for months afterward. She has scrutinized my story multiple times over the years and the story has stayed consistent over the years. I love to go hiking in the woods with my dog. We were on a familiar trail one day. My dog likes to run ahead and check things out. 
He suddenly started barking, like a higher pitched scared bark. I ran towards him and I was suddenly hit with the overwhelming smell of urine. My dog was barking at a makeshift tent that someone was living in. It was made of tarps and there was wood smoke coming out of a chimney. It looked like a solid setup. I recalled my dog and took a different path home. The next day I told my co-workers about it because everyone hikes that trail and no one had seen anything like that. I went back the next day and there was nothing. No sign of any camp. No smell of urine, which would not wash away that fast because we didn't have any rain. My dog and I have hiked that same route multiple times since then and never seen the tent again. But every time we pass that spot, my dog gets extra protective of me and stays very close. We both feel uneasy there. I'm hoping someone might be able to offer an explanation or at least an idea of three instances that have happened to me concerning water over the past three days. We drove to the woods of southeastern Ohio from Kansas to visit family over Christmas. On Christmas Day we went out on the family property to their shooting range and it was a beautiful peaceful day. I later walked with the grandsons and took pictures in the woods. These are deep, remote woods where we were. We went back to the lodge where we were staying Monday night and everything was fine. Tuesday night was when things started. I had set my pajamas on a stand so they would be out that night since I was packing up for us to leave early Wednesday morning. Our family came to the lodge to have dinner with us and play board games on Tuesday night. Later we went to our room and when I reached for my pajamas, they were soaking wet. No explanation. Just sitting there sopping wet, water mystery one. We drove all day yesterday and got home last night. I started unpacking the bags this morning and got to the one duffel bag with Christmas gifts in it. I received a kitchen towel with a snowman on it. I got to the towel and it was sopping wet. Water mystery 2, nothing else in that bag was even wet although the towel had been lying on things like cardboard. I packed that bag and the towel was not wet. I decided to go downstairs this morning to my sewing room and catch up on emails, bills, etc. Now, I have rubber backed 3x3 three three carpet squares over the concrete that has been waterproofed. I did that myself two years ago. I kicked off my slippers and walked across. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Across the room barefoot and in the center of the room, the nine center carpet tiles were, again, sopping wet. 
Water Mystery 3, there is no logical explanation for it. I checked all along the walls and every carpet tile lining the walls was dry, both the carpet and the backing and the wall where it joins the floor of the basement are completely dry. We've been in drought for several years, so the ground isn't saturated. There are no pipes that could have leaked. The dropped ceiling tiles would show water damage and all are perfectly fine with no dampness or damage. So, three water mysteries that I cannot figure out. Could I have possibly angered a water spirit while out in the woods? And did it come home with me? I am a Kansas-born flatlander with no knowledge or experience of the woods. My husband came down and did a thorough check of the walls and pipes for any way that water would get in, specifically in the middle of the room. We can find no logical explanation. Walking through woods near my childhood home. About two miles from any road or house and I came across a washer and dryer. Struck me as creepy as F. I get wanting to get rid of appliances without having to pay for the landfill, but literally would have had to walk through fairly thick forest with many slopes to haul both a washer and dryer. Even loading these up on a dolly or hand truck would have been near impossible to navigate through to where they were left. No reason to go 2 miles, when 20 yards would have been fine and would not have been noticed for months or even years. Was moving out of an apartment that had washer and dryer hookups into one that did not. So I sold my washer and dryer. Ended up having separate buyers. Guy who bought the dryer was great, he was getting it for his daughter who was going to college. I helped him load it up in his truck, he gave me the payment, and I never heard from him again. The guy who bought the washer was a different story. I got a text from him, asking if it was still available, we haggled the price, all normal stuff. We set a time, and I waited for him to get there. Now I only had one week left in the apartment so I didn't care too much about random people coming to my home like I normally would. Pretty much all of my stuff was moved into my new place but the internet wasn't turned on yet, so I was still just sleeping on an air mattress in the old one for the time being. He ended up being a few hours late and showed up in a truck that was used for transporting large glass panes, like this. He had like 5 people with him all crammed onto the front bench seat of the truck. They loaded it onto the truck with it leaning at a 30 degree angle against the glass pane rack or whatever you would call it. He tried to haggle it down to a lower price, but I didn't budge. He left and I thought it was done. Later that night I start getting texts from him about how it doesn't work and he wants his money back. I told him as it was written in the post that it was sold as is, and was working. I assume he damaged it in the way he rigged it on his truck. Well after a day he starts calling me and cussing me out, texting death threats, and I have other random numbers calling me doing that same. Two nights after I sold it I wake up at 3am with people banging on my door yelling. Luckily I lived on the second floor with no easy access to the windows. I sat there for about 15 minutes while they continues to yell through the door. The next day I moved the rest of my stuff into my new apartment and never went back other than to turn the keys in. I still got call calls or texts from him on random numbers for 2 months over a $150 washer. I don't sell stuff on Craigslist anymore.
I have been a critical care registered nurse for 22 years and unfortunately one of the responsibilities of that profession involves transporting the deceased to the morgue with a security officer escort. This is a trip I have now made several times. Generally I don't find the experience to be creepy in any way. As far as I am concerned, I am merely transferring human remains from point A to point B. I usually feel some sadness, but this is something I am used to. But scared? Nope. Until one particular shift, one particular patient. This individual arrived in my unit in full cardiopulmonary arrest. He had already coded several times in the cath lab and things weren't looking too optimistic for him. He had arrived as an inmate from the county jail, where he had cardiac arrested in his jail cell. Despite all possible interventions, we were unable to resuscitate him. Even though he technically had not been my assigned patient, I transported him to the morgue accompanied by a security officer, per protocol. The guard and I didn't really talk during the transport and as it was a very large hospital, the trip took about 10 minutes. It was a long 10 minutes. As we pushed the cart down the hall that immediately lead to the morgue, I was suddenly overcome by this strange sense of dread and being watched. For some reason, I felt like the devil himself was walking right beside me. Every hair on my neck was standing on end. Feeling like a paranoid freak, I said nothing to the officer. But I felt scared. After we deposited the body in the morgue, we were walking back down the hallway we came from. The sense of dread had evaporated. He offhandedly said to me, were you completely freaked out or is it just me? I feel paranoid but I felt like something was watching me and it was evil. I nodded in agreement. And that was all we said about it. We found out later this patient had been charged with 200 plus known horrific crimes involving children and was awaiting sentencing. My youngest brother sent me a text one day. He'd saved up $700 and wanted a computer. I told him I know a subreddit we can go to. But no. He's found a guy on Craigslist with a machine. Says it's like a $1000 machine for $600 want me to go with him to check it out. I can't, schedule is packed. Guy basically says he can do a Skype call showing the PC working and I can peek inside the guts from the video call so I do that. It looks good very high-end computer and everything is brand new with boxes for the components. I tell my little bro, who was 18, that it's all good, if he can snatch it, go for it. Well about 8pm I get a Skype message from the Craigslist seller. I got your brother. I freeze. Blood runs cold and for a solid 20 seconds that felt like hours, I started running through how I was going to find this mother f and murder him with my bare hands for threatening to hurt my baby brother. Finally he finishes typing his second message. He wanted to meet in Walmart parking lot. We met up, and I got out to shake his hand and he just. Fainted. He's sitting in my SUV. He woke up once and just passed right back out. So, I told my bro no because I had work but obviously this needed to be handled. So I go out, I get out of my car and instantly see why my brother basically shit his pants. This dude steps around the SUV and is like 9 feet tall, exaggerating, 7 foot and some change, 
and was so jacked I think he could beat up Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. I'm a little less paranoid than my brother so I hold my hand out for a shake, we do so and he puts a giant hand on my shoulder and points inside the SUV. I can see my little brother, sitting in the far back seat with his knees on his chest, like a puppy during a thunderstorm. I chat with the guy, he literally just tried to meet my brother to sell the computer but he actually fainted in terror. He scooped him up and put him in the back seat to rest. It actually happened. So I open the door and pop my head in. Little bro basically on the verge of tears. Explain the situation to him. He admits that he thought the Craigslist seller was going to beat him up, steal his $800, and possibly touch his bum inappropriately. I laugh, the seller laughs. I chat with the guy for a bit as my brother is loading the stuff into his car. The guy said he bought computer parts yearly when they went on sale and always sold them for a profit for himself, but at a pretty low cost since he slowly built them over the year. Was actually a really great guy. Said my brother was the first person to ever pass out in fear. I mean, all's well that ends well, and I'm sure it was more scary from my brother's POV, but getting a message from a guy on Skype I have your brother. Is pretty damn scary to be honest. It all began when I was very young. I was playing with my brother in the garden of our house when suddenly, I witnessed a scene that seemed out of a different era. The two kids I saw were wearing clothes unlike anyone our age, and the entire scene was in black and white. At the time, I decided to ignore what had just happened and went back to playing. Some years later, I began to hear, from time to time, some kind of voices. However, they didn't say anything meaningful. Once, it even happened when I was home alone with my brother as we were going up the stairs. I asked him if he heard it, and he replied, what? I understood that he didn't. Nothing significant occurred until junior high. Once, while on the bus home, I saw a very fast-moving, bright white form that resembled a book. Some weeks later, while walking, I saw a bright white humanoid female form holding the same book from before. I saw her countless times afterward. Close to the end of junior high, while in bed but not sleeping, I witnessed a series of flashes. These showed me places and people I didn't know, including a plane resembling those from the early days of aviation, freshly out of the factory. Although the flashes were very fast, one lasted longer. I saw an old man standing in front of a building with marble columns. It felt like I was viewing the scene through a camera, and suddenly, he smiled, as if he knew I was there, and then the flashes stopped. I didn't experience anything similar until university. I was studying very far from home in a city we'll call O. Once, while walking in this city, I sensed a presence, and a few seconds later, I saw a bright green humanoid form running. It moved so fast that it soon disappeared. After that, I witnessed three more bright humanoid forms, two black forms and one red form. Nothing more has happened for now. Hello all, my girlfriend and I were driving along a forested road in Northern Hampshire, UK near Blackbush Airport when I saw something running alongside the car in the woods or grassy curb, staring at me. 
This happened yesterday at about 5 p.m., after the sun had set. It was a figure that was naked and about 4 feet tall with yellowish skin. Sort of sickly or jaundiced. We were driving at about 50 miles per hour at the time, and the figure was keeping up with the car by running. Regarding identifiable features, the most notable feature was that the figure had large eyes that appeared to have two pupils per eye, one above the other, and it had a large grinning mouth. It vanished quite quickly after I saw it staring at me. Immediately after it disappeared, I started feeling nauseous, and this nausea has lingered into today. My girlfriend did not see it but has also felt this nausea and unease. I don't believe it could have been my reflection, and I was not tired or otherwise mentally impaired at the time. Does anybody have any ideas or theories on what this thing was? I've posted this before, but a guy I knew from college got a houseboy from Craigslist, trade rent for sex kind of deal. The houseboy was apparently not too stable and after getting in a fight over money, managed to strangle the guy I knew to death with a phone cord, stole his car and was later caught a few states over. I was on a long run in the medium-sized city I go to university in. Was running alongside the interstate and saw a trail and decided to explore. About 3 kilometers into the trail, I came upon a large group of homeless people that appeared to be worshipping a man in a suit. The suit man pointed at me when he saw me, needless to say I got the hell out of Dodge. I got GTAV for the PS3, but then got APS4 about two weeks later since I got surprised by an extra large paycheck and had money to blow. So I decided to sell my PS3 copy for $40. As soon as I put the listing up, I legit got a text not even 10 minutes later for a guy that wanted to meet in half an hour to pick it up. I wasn't busy, so I decided to do it. The guy was about 10 years older than me, incredibly skinny, to the point of ribs practically showing through his shirt, and had a tick. Anyway, I make the transaction and think that's the end of it. Nope. On my drive home texted me, wanting me to come over to his place and play it with him. I politely decline. He then goes on to text me a novel about his life story and his time serving in Afghanistan and his PTSD and depression. I felt bad for him, but still didn't want to go hang out with a stranger I meet on Craigslist. He then starts asking me when I'd be free to hang out and tries to make plans. I explain politely that I'm not really looking to make friends through Craigslist or anything. He tries calling me. I turn off my phone and go to sleep. I turn it back on in the morning and I've got 20-something missed calls and over 60 text messages from him, getting increasingly more angry, violent, and threatening as they went along. I installed an app to block his number and that solved it, but for a good week or two I was afraid of accidentally running into him again. In junior high my family drove halfway across the country for a family reunion. We went for a long, boring hike. When we reached the end of the hike I decided to take off running down the mountain by myself. By the time I got to the bottom I was dehydrated and exhausted. 
This couple in their 40s saw I wasn't doing good and called an ambulance. The EMTs told my mom I could have died had those people not called 911. I remember wanting to thank the people who helped me but they were long gone. Flash forward to my senior year in high school. I'm taking world lit. With a new teacher. Teacher walks in the room. You saved my life six years ago at Yellowstone Park. I took him a few seconds but he remembered the whole thing. My husband made a fake account and then trolled a free dresser ad that I made for almost a week. He kept asking me to smell it and describe the smell and silly things like that. By the time I figured out I was being trolled he had asked if I could cut the dresser into more manageable pieces so it could fit onto his motorcycle. In 2012, I was trying to sell some video games on Craigslist and got plenty of normal emails inquiring about the condition of the games and stuff. Then I get an email that says hey and there's a g-damn dick pic attached to it. The body of the email was like saw your ad for a jack-off partner, you like? 30 seconds later, I get another email that says please delete I'm sorry that was for someone else followed by please. Just delete IT and pretend this never happened. I didn't reply to any of the emails, just blocked him immediately. My thought is he was probably browsing around on two different tabs and replied to mine on accident. Oh Craigslist. My parents had recently moved from the city out to a small acreage south of Calgary, Alberta. Their place is nestled in between two rivers a mile or two from where the rivers meet, so there is a lot of crown land to explore. I was exploring the river banks with a girl I liked at the time. We had been walking for a few hours before we found a nice clearing in the trees. One of the trees had a number of planks nailed into it for climbing. Naturally curious, I immediately hopped up the makeshift ladder without thinking twice. I had climbed a few rungs by the time I looked up, and not a foot above my face hung a severed deer head. I jumped right down and my friend and I got the hell out of there, suspecting whatever rednecks did that might be coming back. We were selling a house on Craigslist and we started getting calls about it being for rent. Sure enough there was a for rent ad picturing our house and giving a phony realtor email address. I contacted the advertiser who claimed he was the owner away doing missionary work in Africa. He wanted me to wire the deposit. I played along with some back and forth emails until he got suspicious and stopped communicating. We reported this fraud to Craigslist who responded by blocking our email address. Now when we use Craigslist we have to use a different email when placing ads. This past winter I hiked one of high peaks in the ADKs with a buddy of mine and camped out overnight. Everything was fine the entire first day we were there. Had a great night's sleep and woke up early to hike back to the parking area. On the way back down the trail, my friend and I noticed that someone else had been hiking as well. About a mile after walking, I stopped and saw that my full name, first and last, was drawn into the snow on the side of the footpath. I didn't do it, neither did my friend. 
It was snowing a bit throughout the night and if it was drawn the day before, the snow would have covered it up. We got a bit freaked out and decided to hustle back to our car so we could get the F out of there. We finally get back to the parking area and I go to sign myself out of the registry book. When I turn the page to where I signed in, I see that someone had scribbled out all of my information to where you couldn't read it anymore. No one else had signed into the book besides myself for three days. I will not be going back there. This happened while I was backpacking in the Goat Rocks Wilderness in Washington State. My friend and I were trying to get up into a certain basin above the tree line, and we got a really late start, thanks to road construction, so we were really hoofing it up the trail trying to make camp before dark. My friend hikes way faster than I do, so he got way out ahead of me by and by the time I got to where our detour from the main trail up an informal boot path would take us up into the basin he was nowhere to be seen. So, there being no campsites near where I stopped, I backtracked for about three quarters of a mile to a lake where there were established campsites right along the trail. After maybe an hour my friend shows up having realized his mistake, this is well after dark and we settled in not really knowing our surroundings. It was a fairly large open area though, likely a horse camp area because the trail is popular with horse packers, but we encountered none, set up our tents, both one person, ate and went to bed. Neither of us usually sleep well when backpacking, but for whatever reason he was out cold and I was sort of lucid at best for quite a while. Just listening to the sounds of nature and trying not to psych myself out about the possible demons and monsters and man-eating beasts lurking in the woods every time I heard a twig snap or a pine cone fall from a tree. So maybe three or so hours after I went to bed, this would have been maybe 1am, I start hearing a very distinct sound of really heavy footsteps around my camp area, maybe as much as 100 feet away. I didn't really think to analyze the patterns the footsteps made at the time, but I remember it sounding distinctly bipedal. You can usually pick out a deer or mountain goat because they don't plant their feet in pairs. Other than these occasional footsteps, it's basically dead silent, no crickets or rustling of bushes or anything. That silence was instantly shattered by the most terrifying sound I have ever heard in my life. It was basically the same intensity as a whistle on a steam train, but much, much deeper and more demonic-like. Almost like a cross between a cow mooing and a lion's roar, but loud enough that it echoed off the mountains on the opposite side of the valley. Immediately after this noise, this creature went hauling ass off into the woods, crashing through the bushes. The forest I could see when I set up camp was basically covered in head-high huckleberry shrubs, but remained running around in earshot for at least two minutes, running back and forth sometimes getting distinctly closer, sometimes getting further away. All this time it sounded like it was a creature with two legs running around. This whole time my heart was doing about 200 beats per minute and I was sure I was going to be eaten by a chupacabra or something. After a couple minutes the footsteps faded and it fell silent again, and I never heard anything else. I probably lay awake for at least another hour before I finally fell asleep. My friend didn't hurt a damn thing. In the morning when I woke up, I looked around and there was a wide open area that led down to a small beach at the nearby lake to see if there was any evidence of what the noise was. 
Turns out there were fresh elk prints in the mud near the lake, and maybe 20 to 30 feet away was a large print of either a cougar or a bear, I don't remember which. So likely something was stalking one of the elk that wandered near my camp and spooked it in the middle of the night and caused it to spaz the F out. At least that's what I hope it was. I went to look at a couch in a nice residential neighborhood. The poster was a doctor at a local hospital who said she had a shift but I could work out a time with her husband, who would be home. So I called him. She had a beautiful accent, Persian, and was clearly fluent, but English was not his strong suit. Still, we worked out a time. When I went over, he was very nice. A bit of a communication gap, but that's fine. I wish I spoke one and a half languages, you know? The couch was actually a huge, multi-piece, turquoise brocade thing. Much too big for my tiny space and too loud for my eyeballs to bear every day. Beautiful, in its own way, but not for me. So I thanked him for his time, told him it was too big for my studio. And his response was to confidently reach around and squeeze my ass. It was the way he did it that was weird. It didn't even seem sexual or anything. It was like he was just testing a melon for ripeness. I looked at him like he was nuts, he looked back at me like the situation was perfectly normal, and I turned and walked out the door without a word. I no longer go to Craigslist meets on my own. Edit, y'all have a lot of furniture for sale. Edit 2, this is my highest rated comment on Reddit. Note to self, butt stuff equals worthless internet points. I was hunting on private property massive plot 40 to 50 acres. I found what looked like a homeless shelter with multiple beds and tents along with a bonfire and pots and pans hanging from the trees. What freaked me out was it looked like an active campsite but nobody was around and it made me feel like I was being watched. The nearest road was about an hour and a half walk in either direction, shit was scary. At least I had a shotgun with lots of rounds. My friend and I were driving around the back roads of New Mexico. Ended up on a dirt road in the Hickorya Reservation up near Dulce. I spotted something along the road that I wanted to check out I collect bones and such. Looked like an elk, and I had already had success with collecting two elk skeletons that year. It was. A bit of elk. As in just the complete skin no body, bones, or other parts. The skin was fairly defleshed and not rotted, very clean cut, still flexible, no slippage of hair. I am a former taxidermist. It made zero sense to be out there. If hunting, and it was nowhere near elk season, you field dress, but you don't skin it. If it was predators, and there are few things that can kill an elk here, there would be evidence rips in the skin, bits of flesh, bone, etc. Around. If it was death from natural causes, where did the body go? If a person had skinned an elk, and thought to preserve the skin, it would have been manipulated in some way stretched out at the very least. It wasn't, just was crumpled on the ground. I've never seen anything quite like it. Left it there and skedaddled home.
I can't remember the name of the pass, but we were crossing the mountains from Nevada into California on our way to Yosemite to hike Half Dome. There was place in the pass where a couple of abandoned buildings stood, an old house, an old motel, lots of trash-like appliances, bicycles. We pull past the abandoned small town, which was very eerie at dusk, and drive up a road to the top of a small hill overlooking the town and the rest of the mountain range. It was a very pretty view, but the sun was setting fast, so we threw up a shade for some cover and set out the rest of the cots and bags to sleep under the stars. My younger sister was especially creeped out about sleeping under the stars up the hill from a spooky empty motel. The next morning, my dad called me over to a spot five feet from where my sister was still sleeping, behind a medium-sized bush, and pointed out a grave. It was one of those old west-looking graves where the dirt is piled high and the cross is made from found wood nearby. My sister freaked out when we showed her. Nothing too scary happened, but I was glad to tear down camp and leave right away. I work trail maintenance for a park. My co-workers and I like to pull pranks on the lengthier trails. Our 20-mile trail has a graveyard near the halfway point. I started a creepy shrine nearby, it primarily consisted of Barbie or doll heads and tree limbs but has now grown significantly. Occasionally in the winter hikers will mention a bizarre collection they found and will pretend we've never seen it before while giving each other worried glances before mentioning the hermit or child spirit. Not only did park visitors enjoy the trail, they get to leave with a cool story about weird shit in the woods. I'm pretty sure our dogs found a radius or ulna bone of the kidnapped and murdered girl, Heather Dawn Church while hiking off trail outside Colorado Springs. As a biology major who remembered some from my anatomy class, I thought the bones looked like they came from a small human. My friends convinced me I was being dramatic and I forgot about it. A couple years later her body was found in the exact same area. When my daughter was about two weeks old my dryer broke down and I was hanging out a load of laundry while she was sleeping and I seen someone out of the corner of my eye and I realized it was a man and asked him if he needed something. Not unusual because we lived on a wheat field. I was holding my laundry basket and I was talking with him and he said no, thank you and I bent down to put my basket down and raised back up. Maybe two seconds and I raised back up and he was gone. Just like he had never been there. There was literally no where he could have gone. It spooked me and I went back in my house to check on my daughter and my son who was napping and there was no car or anything and I still get chills. Years later I heard that this man had always promised that he would always look after his land and he had lived there years ago and the creepy thing is that I seen pictures of him and he looked exactly like the man I had been talking to. Yikes.